Hello and welcome to your Skogans, the International Law Podcast. Today I'm joined by Noki Desai, a privacy and cybersecurity professional, also an attorney, who's just recently completed her Western Research Fellowship at the International Association of Privacy Professionals, also known as IAPP. Um, in this episode, Noki will be walking me through AI model cards uh, and what they're all about. Uh, she's written an insightful primer on the same uh, uh, subject. Uh, which is titled Five Things to Know About AI Model Cards, which I will link in the description. So yeah, let's get started. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Anoki, for being uh, on the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, of course. To you. Great. So yeah, let's just uh, get into it. Just want to have like, a brief overview of what AI governance is. I mean, it's a very new field, and I know that you've been working on it uh, with the IAPP, which has uh, recently set up their uh, governance AI Governance Center. So just tell me a bit about what, what is AI governance? Yeah, so I think the best way to answer that is backwards, um, like why we why it's needed, um, and then maybe a definition of what it is. So every day there is some new article or news story about the potential of AI to transform how organizations can solve problems or innovate on their existing or new products. But as any engineers listening already know, without proper testing and evaluation and validation and verification and all these things at the different stages of developing any AI system, um, what we get is something that spreads biases and can harm uh, individuals directly. Um, and the example of like credit ratings and credit scores gets used a lot here for good reason, because you know it's, if you don't look at what goes into the system for choosing credit scores and uh, kind of ranking people, um, you end up with uh, this disparity between races or class or um, status. So um, this is where AI and um, privacy pros favorite term comes in. Um, so I'm actually going to refer to the IPP's definition of AI governance. Sure, yeah. So, and it's a bit long, but it like really covers all the bases. So. AI governance is a system of policies, practices, and processes that organizations can implement to manage and oversee their use of AI technology and associated risks to ensure that the AI aligns with the org's objectives, is developed and used responsibly and ethically, and complies with applicable legal requirements. So that's like this whole system that's basically, are you doing things that's people friendly? Are you doing things in a way that doesn't come at a cost to society? Got it. Yeah, that, that's that's a great uh, definition. I think that sort of encapsulates what it's all about. And given that there is no existing um, AI legislation anywhere in the world, I mean, they're in the works in Europe with the AI Act uh, and e even in the US. So it's good to have a working definition of what uh, AI governance is and what it really means for organizations and even for individuals. Um, so let's talk about the model cards uh, and the work that you have uh, done on it. So uh, where do model cards, AI model cards, fit into AI governance? Uh, what are they and who are they really for? Yeah, um, so the purpose of AI governance generally is to make sure that AI systems don't perpetuate harms. And one way that companies that are developing AI can do that is by sharing their process with the public. Um, so a group of researchers in 2018 uh, proposed AI model cards as the way to do that. Um, so model cards are supposed to be these short documents, usually about a page long, 
um, that describe what went into the development of an AI model to provide that transparency. So you can think of it like a spec sheet. When you get a new laptop, you want to know what kind of processor it has and how fast it'll be and how long the battery life is and other information. Um, so a model card has all those details about an AI model. And um, typically, they can be used for like to, for anyone who's interested to take a look um, on top of the usual stakeholders because they're supposed to be um, you know clearly accessible and written in uh, you know non-legalese text and it can get a little technical but um, they're meant for anyone who's interested uh, but typically um, they're for policymakers um, who can use them to understand how a model would impact people affected by their policies or by organizations um, that can use them as spec sheets to help them determine whether to um, buy a new tool or adopt a new product, um, and by privacy pros to learn whether a model could use personal or sensitive information and then how consumers or individuals would be affected by that use. Okay, uh, interesting. So you link a few uh, model guards by different, uh, of tech, by different tech companies like Meta, uh, and IBM and OpenAI. So, and even even Google, I found one on uh, Google's uh, cloud uh, uh, computing uh, interface. So uh, they all look very different. I mean, personally, I found the Meta one and the Google one easier to read uh, for like a, you know, a layperson's perspective compared to the AI fact sheet by, uh, by IBM and even the OpenAI one. It seemed geared towards like programmers or like developers or people who are actually working in the AI field. So, I mean, what are the fundamental components which a model card, which model cards are supposed to have? Uh, so as you mentioned that they're supposed to explain the architecture uh, and just give an overview of what the uh, the LLM is for and uh, how it's like, uh, you know, structured and everything. So, so what are the three or four major components uh, which make uh, uh, AI model cards? Yeah, so like you noticed, like what I've noticed is uh, companies either follow the the way that the researchers proposed um, and go above and beyond that, or they go completely opposite and just include what they believe is a better explanation of their model. And they would know because they developed the model. So if it doesn't fit, you know, the proposed model card terms, like obviously go with whatever is more transparent and um, better explainable to people reading it. Um, but typically, um, what is in a model card is the model details, the intended use of the model, because if something is meant for one group of people and you use it on another group of people, it's going to give you a different result and one that's probably useless. Um, some performance metrics of how the model uh, performed during that intended use, uh, a description of the training data, some quantitative analysis of things like potential biases or limitations on that model. And um, it usually ends with ethical considerations, recommendations for further testing and future iterations. And then like a, a feedback section of like, hey, you have comments or questions, please contact us here or fill out this form, which is really nice because it, it involves the, the greater community in um, like making a better version of it in the future. Um, and uh, if you've ever written an academic research paper for school or something, mm -hmm. 
um, this list will be really familiar because it like almost parallels how scientific research papers are written. Like you talk about like what the purpose of it was and like what data you collected and a regression model and, and how you saw things move forward and did you succeed? Are there things you could do better next time? So um, yeah, it's, you know, it's sort of like what, the, the methodology part of, uh, of an academic paper. What are the right. behind scenes of how the inner workings of, of, of the a research or, or the model itself uh, i mean would that be a fair assessment yeah okay so you in in the in the primer in, in the piece that you have written on it you also link um ai model cards uh, that they're fundamentally linked with the transparency principle uh, which yeah. is a fundamental component of uh, gdpr and other privacy and data protection regulations around the world so how is the transparency principle linked uh, with AI model guards? Yeah, so the transparency principle governs um, the extent to which information in an AI system is made available to stakeholders, like how the system works and what went into its creation and development. And that's exactly what model cards do. They're there to meet that transparency and explainability parts. Um, and there's a long list of other principles uh, that are part of AI governance, like uh, security and safety, um, accountability and privacy, um, and explainability and transparency kind of go hand in hand there. Um, so a good example there is like if you think of a clock, um, if the clock's casing is a clear plastic, you can see through the side and back to like what the gears are doing and how it works. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're not a repair technician or a clock maker or like a hobbyist, um, seeing through the casing isn't enough, um, and you need some kind of explanation for what gears do what and how the end product results in a clock that accurately tells time. Um, and so that's that difference of transparency, to transparency and explainability um, mm -hmm. of like, you know, you want to see what went into that model card, but you also want an explanation of what that means for yeah. the data how you're inputting works. and then the output that you receive. Um, so yeah, model cards do both, which is um, very cool. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, th that's really helpful because I was also a bit confused in terms of what is the difference between explainability and transparency. I mean, they, they seem quite similar in in terms of what what they're trying to do. But that analogy uh, that that uh, that explains uh, things a bit uh, more. I think that that's really that would be really helpful for the for the listeners as well. Um, so in your research, uh, you, uh, you know, talk about a lot of uh, different organizations and tech companies which have been using uh, model cards to explain their uh, AI models uh, and LLMs. So how, how are organizations, large organizations, generally using AI model cards? Uh, and uh, what's, are there any patterns and how they're not using them? Yeah. Um, so uh like what we've seen the way that you described you know like google's really easy to explain and some of the other ones are a lot more technical yeah. um the major players are honestly doing pretty well with model cards um and and they've also been releasing a research paper with their model cards each time um, for anyone who wants to dive in deeper um so meta and microsoft created an llm that they cutely named llama with like the two l's and the m capitalized um, and now they're on Llama 2. And so with the release of that second version came a model card and research paper. Um, and the model card includes that, you know, standard base of information that we saw in the research paper. 
um, the model's details, its intended use, the training data, evaluation results, ethical considerations, limitations, and um, also a hardware and software section that included information about the model's carbon footprint. And so far, that's the only um, set of organizations that I've seen actually address that part, because that's a huge thing with any kind of large computing is, you know, you don't think about how much computing power it takes and how many environmental resources that that takes up too. like the amount of water you need to cool all these systems for just 15 minutes of processing. Like when you think about all the people that use Dali, um, ChatGPT, uh, yeah, ChatGPT when that came out as, you know, a, a public, uh, I would say partially toy and partially tool, you know, people were playing <laughs> yeah. with it as well. Um, and, you know, if everyone and half the people in the world used it for like one query, that's still a, a large carbon footprint. So um, cool to see that like Meta and Microsoft were like, we're going to address this in our model card. Um, and then OpenAI, everyone's favorite, ChatGPT3 uh, model creator, they released a model card that had details um, that covered the model date and type and version and also linked to their research paper. Um, and uh, it had like performance data, limitations section that covered biases, a feedback link um, where you could submit questions and comments about the model. So all very like standard stuff. And there's this little technical, but they're also uh, kind of the reason uh, for this AI boom um, where AI has existed for longer than um, generative AI has existed, but uh, at least now, um, people don't think about AI as being anything other than generative AI, um, just yeah. because it's become so popular with lay people um, and anyone outside of the technology industry. Um, so yeah, there, theirs is a little more technical. Um, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, Google has a lot of AI models because they're always creating new products. But the one that I looked into was part of their Cloud Vision API. And that model card included the standard stuff too, like model description, um, architecture, performance metrics, uh, limitations, trade-offs, and a feedback section. But yeah, Google's um, model card for that was not the standard like one-page, two-page PDF. That was mm -hmm. kind of looks like a chart. It was this scrollable page that provided um, pictures where it, it was clearly meant for a layperson to just kind of scroll through and try to understand how the model card or how the model worked. And uh, rather than you know stick to that one page chart model card, they um, like provided uh, really easy to read sections and they had the the charts in full view so you could like take a look for yourself um and uh i think it's a really good example of um how you can be creative while being transparent you don't have to you know just do the one pager although the one pager is a lot easier um if you uh if, if your company's brand um relies on consumer trust and uh, bringing in um, more people who are outside of the normal industry, then I think um, the Google model card is really a good example. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that's uh, that's really helpful. Um, one, one thing that, that I've been thinking about after reading your piece as well, that, that you raised some concerns about how much detail uh, the companies are willing to provide in, in the model cards. Uh, because if, you, if you're targeting a to a you know the end consumer or like a layperson, you might 
tend to oversimplify things and make it like really pretty and and really you know crisp and that might uh, leave some details that might be really important um so even in terms of the um the the data sets that um the models are using to train the ai so so you mentioned that even you know if if uh, for example they just like mention uh, that they have used open source and publicly available data and that data if that data has been like used uh, you know as a result of a breach and it was not previously public but it was made public but that nuance is not provided in in the model cards so do companies tend to be very you know detail oriented in terms of uh providing that sort of granular information in, in the model cards or do they you know keep it more you know broad um so just looking at the the major players here um they've provided more information than i think anyone's expected um just because typically there are these like walls um up around any company where everything's protected intellectual property um you don't really want to share how your processes work in case a competitor gets their hands on it so yeah. um it's nice how much information that they're sharing through these model cards and the transparency does really matter and it um also gives them a boost in terms of consumer trust um but there is that problem where um unless you've worked in security or privacy before or you've worked on these ai models um on the like training data side um you don't really know what it means when companies say um our model is trained on open source publicly available information and yeah like like you mentioned it's um it's technically publicly available information if that formerly sensitive pri uh, privacy protected password protected data has been made public through a breach or um if what you thought was you know your uh private facebook account um was at some point uh scraped and so that data is made available to people who aren't your um friends on facebook or your connections on yeah. linkedin and um there's something to be said about you know uh just saying that your model card is trained on publicly available information seeming kind of like a greenwashing where yes they're being open with you they're telling you it's publicly available information that's what they're using but unless you're you're in on it you don't know that that includes data that would not otherwise be public if not for things like hacks and breaches and unauthorized access to data um so are there like any uh guidelines or like legislations which mandate uh the you know creation of these model cards uh so you you mentioned the the transparency principle under GDPR but given that there are not many or any uh, ai governance uh, regulations uh, around the world so are companies just doing this out of benevolence or gaining the trust of the you know end uh, customers and consumers or is there any law which is actually uh, you know uh, dictating what what they need to uh, provide um so so far no there's like nothing on the books in terms of ai uh, legislation or things that have passed um and we'll see how things with will develop when the eu's ai act passes and um there's related ai regulations in the us that are in the works um i can speak from the us side here so several states have been proposing ai laws um 
And at the national level, the Biden administration met with um, like all of the major AI players, uh, Amazon, Anthropic, Google, uh, Inflection, Meta, Microsoft, and OpenAI. And um, they discussed commitments from those companies to move forward to, quote, uh, a more secure and transparent development of AI technology. And that inclusion of the word transparent in there is really key because um, there are only like two main options right now for transparency in AI models. And there's model cards and there's uh, nutrition labels. Um, and nutrition labels, people in privacy will really understand. Uh, it'll sound familiar because there was a, I think, late 2000s, like 2008 uh, research paper. And that really took off from there. Um, this concept of having like a food nutrition label, but about the privacy of an app. And that later got turned into um, a, that more tangible nutrition label that you see in like the Apple App Store of like, this is the information that this app collects. And like, are you sure you want to proceed? So and it's nice and explainable and transparent, covers both principles. Um, and I think right now uh, Twilio um, is offering AI nutrition labels as um, part of their AI services package. So I'm not sponsored by them, but uh, it is very cool that they're they're offering that now because that's um, like a shorter version of a model card. Sure, yeah, I'll definitely check that out and I'll revert and share my opinions. Um, so, I mean, uh, before we, before I ask you what, to what extent model cards have uh, addressed uh, concerns of transparency, um, under GDPR and other uh, regulations. Um, I want to go back to one of the components that you mentioned uh, that most uh, model cards have, which are performance metrics. So, I mean, I, I, I want to know what sort of variables uh, and factors come under performance metrics and what are some of the uh, things that, that are generally covered uh, un under this? Yeah, so um, that section usually illustrates the real world impact of the model. Um, it can include anything that the um, developers or organization deems as relevant factors um, that contribute to the model's intended performance. So like demographic groups, um, environmental conditions, technical attributes, um, and that seems really vague because it kind of is. It's up to the company to decide like how do we show that this model is working in its intended conditions, environment with the intended data? Um, like if you, um, I, I don't know if this story has actually traveled around the world, but there is a, uh, at this point, very well-known uh, incident where a US attorney um, used uh, ChatGPT to uh, try to find relevant cases for their brief. And ChatGPT is, is a generative AI. It's not a necessarily like a fact-pulling AI. It generates new content. It's great for creativity. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it'll help you make a poem. It'll help you write up made up words, but it, you know, I, as an attorney, I would not use and not condone the use of generative AI to uh, find relevant cases. So this guy asked the model if um, it could, uh, you know, help find cases that exactly match the, the instance in the, that case. And ChatGPT came up with what looked like reasonable and reliable cases. This person didn't um, double check ChatGPT's answers because I think there's a, a bit of a 
like knowledge gap here in terms of like what people, lay people expect from AI. And uh, especially with like how AI has been portrayed in media as an all-knowing robot with great computational power. Um, there's an expectation that it'll just pull something from the internet and think like a human and present it to you the way humans speak. Um, and ChatGPT does do that latter part where it, it does know kind of how humans speak and it tries to replicate that with its answers, but it's not always going to give you the most reliable answer because it's a generative AI, not a fact pulling one. Um, and so, you know, it, and anyway, this attorney ended up citing these made up cases and then got in trouble for it and got sanctioned. So um, there's your lesson attorneys, but, <laughs> you know, double check your cases. Um, but, uh, you know, all this to say, um, that was not the intended use of chat GPT. And so in a model card about that AI model, it would show some 90% effectiveness, let's say for a person's ability to receive a haiku after saying, can you write me a haiku about um, flowers and the ocean? And it, you know, it'll happily do that and it'll come out with the right cadence and the right number of syllables and everything. Um, so obviously that's a high success rate that would be in its performance metrics. I don't think uh, performance metrics would include um, situations like the attorney trying to pull cases. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I did uh, come across that case as well, and my sympathies with that associate. I mean, you should yeah. always uh, double check your cases, and perhaps uh, use the old school method of going through volumes and, uh, you know, digests. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, that, that's that that's a very interesting point. Um, so I mean, as we move to the latter part of this uh, discussion, um, in your research and you know, in your opinion, uh, how adequately do you think uh, AI model cards have addressed uh, concerns of uh, transparency and explainability? And what, uh, I mean, how, how can they, you know, improve it even uh, further? Yeah, so right now they are the main solution. Um, I haven't fully looked into the um, AI nutritional label yet. I think believe it's a paid service and I'm just one person. Um, if anyone has, please let me know. Um, but uh, model cards are intended for the full range of stakeholders. Um, but like really who's looking at them? It's folks who are already deep in the world of AI, it's technologists, it's developers, researchers, competitors. Um, it's not my um, Apple fanboy uncle who um, watches the new keynote every year and loves new technology, but doesn't work in the field of technology. Um, there is, a uh, silver lining to uh, to the way that model cards are written right now, though, because um, it's it's keeping things open and transparent across um, that technical community, um, where, like we said, normally there are NDAs and these walls that are built high to um, kind of keep intellectual property within companies. Um, and honestly, it's kind of gatekept that proce the process of innovation and future progress. And I think as a community, AI developers have realized like it's better to give other people in our community uh, insight into what we did correctly and what went wrong, because we can still put our flag on the moon. We can still claim that we did this thing first and the best or something. We started this. 
um, and other companies can innovate on that. So we can all move forward instead of trying to all start from scratch, all starting from zero and working up. If um, ChatGPT got us from zero to 10, Google can get us from 10 to 20, and then another company can move us forward from there. So it, it is nice to know that there is transparency among the community. But yeah, I agree. Um, it's uh, it's kind of hard to read through several model cards in a row because you really have to be aware of what they're talking about to understand what it is. Um, so some of these model cards, um, not in theory, but in, in actuality, address transparency, but not explainability. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, I guess that uh, intellectual property aspect of it is also quite central to it. I mean, people who are already working in, in the field Maybe they're able to read between the lines uh, in, in terms of uh, a few of the things that have been written. Uh, but for a general audience, it, it might be quite vague. Uh, do you feel that it, the model cards will become more standardized uh, as uh, more regulations and laws uh, come into effect in the coming months and years? Yeah, I, I think they're a mainstay for now, um, especially because those biggest players, the Meta, Microsoft, IBM, Google, um, they're all complying with this. And it's a very voluntary mechanism. Like there's no rule saying you have to do this, but um, it is a very clear best practice. Um, and the fact that these larger companies are, are doing this will probably inform how startups and smaller players will act. Great. Uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's uh, perfect. Uh, and OK, so uh, before I let you go, there's uh, I have one final question. Uh, so. You have been working uh, with the IAPP for the last two years uh, in your fellowship, uh, and you have seen the the initiation of the uh, IAPP AI Governance Center, and it's like really uh, kicking into like uh, you know uh, full speed uh, with the upcoming AIGP certification as well. So, just in terms of uh, the future of AI governance as a field, uh, um, how do you see it going forward? Uh, and how overlap? How much of an overlap do you think it'll have with uh, the privacy uh, profession? So what I uh, say in open and closed circles is currently there is an overlap between privacy and AI, and that overlap exists in that model stage, um, whether personal, sensitive, maybe a bit biased data is going into the model that gives you an output that's not desirable. Um, and also the potential for people to kind of go data mining, reverse engineering these um, these models, asking ChatGPT to pull information that was in its training data. And that can be harmful and directly impact several privacy principles. Um, but I think AI and privacy are different enough that it makes sense that um, centers like the IAPP, even um, its sister organization, um, the FPF, have created dedicated wings recently to AI so that um, there is AI-specific articles and guidance and, and best practices coming out. Um, it does overlap with privacy, especially in its foundational principles, um, trust and transparency and security and all these things. Um, it's the core of it is is about protecting the end users, protecting consumers while still being able to innovate. Um, but I, I still believe that there 
two distinct um, industries. And uh, it would behoove privacy professionals to understand AI. I mean, there's, uh, we saw the first push from cybersecurity compliance IP professionals uh, into privacy. Now we're seeing that same shift from those privacy professionals into AI. Um, and these industries always grow and, and develop and shift forward. And I think AI is that next shift forward. Not that we're leaving privacy behind because we've barely gotten started, but yeah. Um, yeah. But if, if you're doing privacy in an organization um, at, a, at a client services firm, um, I, I think it, it would be helpful to look into things like um, what is the AI Act going to be uh, doing? What's the effect of that on our clients? Should I maybe get a certification so that I'm really caught up to speed in a short amount of time? Great. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree uh, completely. And I feel that if uh, as soon as more AI-specific laws uh, come into effect around the world uh, and institutions become more consolidified, um, the profession might also, you know, you know, branch out from the, you know, the purview of privacy and data protection and become more specialized. Um, yeah, so thank you so much uh, for taking out time uh, and being on the podcast in Oki. It was uh, a pleasure to host you and I hope our listeners will find this uh, very insightful and valuable. Uh, and yeah, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.